Well, hello and welcome to our Thrive Subscribe podcast. Um, we're here today um, really to tackle a serious and important article that was published in the New York Times. Um, I have two pharmacists with me, Randy McDonough and Sherry Smith, and we'll talk um, through their introductions here in just a moment. But um, we were talking about this article in our Thrive Subscribe Network, which for those of you who aren't familiar, this is an online platform where we have community pharmacy um, teams, so both pharmacy technicians and pharmacists uh, who join and are able to focus on really pharmacy practice transformation. So as you can imagine, um, this article was really important to our community, um, and there's there's been a lot of reaction around this today. Um, as far as what what position pharmacists are being put into and really all we're trying to achieve within the profession to really show and demonstrate the value pharmacists can bring when they're not held to metrics um, such as those described in this article. So um, with that, I'm going to turn it over to uh, Randy McDonough to do some introductions here and really talk us through um, some some main thoughts around this. Thanks, Suzanne. I appreciate that. And, you know, we're really we're impacted by this article. Um, because it's something that um, we've been feeling as a profession mm -hmm. and knowing that if it's not us, it's some of our colleagues who are experiencing this. And, you know, we have some firsthand stories, but the person I have that's going to be with me discussing this with with us today is uh, Sherry Schmidt. And Sherry is director of clinical pharmacy um, for GRX owned Medicap Pharmacies in um, Iowa. And Sherry and I have gone go way back, and she's also very involved as a luminary for uh, CPESN, or Community Pharmacy Enhanced Services Network of Iowa. And we have a passion for pharmacy, and we have a passion for transforming pharmacy. And this really represented the opposite <laughs> of what we believe pharmacy should be. You know, the title of the article from New York Times is How Chaos at Chain Pharmacies is Putting Patients at Risk. And we would dare to say it's not just putting the patients at risk who ultimately are the ones we need to be um, watching over and helping them optimize their medications, mm -hmm. but it's putting the well-being of our colleagues at risk as well, too. And I think when we talk about this today, we need to talk about in the bigger picture of the impact it's having on the profession and ultimately the negative impact it's having on patient care. So Sherry, welcome. I appreciate you coming on today. Well, thank you for inviting me. And and as you said, we go, we go way back and probably think a lot more alike than we maybe want to admit some days. So. <laughs> yeah, I think we can finish each other's sentences some days. <laughs> most likely, most likely. So Sherry, you know, you um, saw the post that Suzanne, um, as she uh, put the post on Thrive Subscribe, the platform that she introduced. And you responded to it. Tell me, tell me what your why you responded. What was your response when you first read that? So my response when I first read it was how well that the article really highlighted not only the problems going on with our profession and how far away we've gotten from truly patient care. Um, but also I think the opportunities that are going on within our profession right now and the critical need for why the Pharmacy Transformation Project and why CPSN and Flip the Pharmacy and all these things that we're working on, you know, why they have to succeed and not just selfishly for pharmacy and for pharmacists and for all of our well-being, um, but for the patients because ultimately Number one, pharmacy should always come down to what's right for the patient. And so I think, you know, the passion inside of me was just kind of ignited, like, 
yes, this is the problem and this is, this is what we have to fix and this is why we have to succeed in changing the profession. I totally agree with that, Sherry, and, and it, it did get to the heart, right? It, it mean, it was almost a visceral response for me as I read this. I'm like, finally, you know, we've been talking about this, and unfortunately, as we've seen in the profession, that the focus has always been about cheapening the cost of the product, and we don't disagree that we need to make sure our patients are getting cost-effective medication, but I keep going to the numbers that I always read about, about how much we spend in the United States, and you know, the 2017 number that I have is, you know, we spent $333 billion on, on medications in this country. But I don't think people hear the other part of that as saying, how much do we spend on the problems related to the drug therapy and the, you know, when patients don't have the positive outcome or they have an adverse effect or they're not being monitored appropriately, you know, we spend more than the $333 billion, and the number could be anywhere from a dollar. Um, for every dollar we spend, we spend another dollar, but it's actually approaching beyond the dollar where it's you know more than what we actually spend. And I've seen upwards to about a dollar fifty more you know, per medication that we fill. We spend more on, on helping to resolve the problem associated with it. You addressed that within your, your post that you had as well too about what it is that we should be doing, yeah, we need to make sure our patients are getting cost-effective medications, but the role of the pharmacist is much more than just a dispensing a product. Can you expound upon that? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the, there were some responses maybe from some of the, the pharmacy organizations that were mentioned, and they were saying, well, you know, all we're trying to do is we know that refilling medications and contacting prescribers to make sure patients can, refill, can get refills improves health and patient outcomes. That's true if the patient's getting a medication that is safe and effective and helping them meet their therapy goals. So, you know, I tell my pharmacy students all the time that, you know, it, it can't be autofill, it can't be auto-refill or auto-anything. Like, if a patient is taking a blood pressure medicine exactly as prescribed every single day, but their blood pressure isn't at goal, then what's the point of taking it? Or if that blood pressure medication is causing other side effects and problems, um, then maybe that's not the right medication for them, and we certainly need to address that. It's just creating more cost, more problems, and not improving the patient's health. So, I think, I mean, that's what this highlighted for me was, as you mentioned, so it is about the right medication and making sure that those patients have access to that, and that's both with cost-effective, but also, you know, that it's working for them. But I think the other thing that struck me in this is the waste involved. And so waste, not with just, you know, product like refilling medications and the cost of that for medications that patients don't need. So maybe you know, the patients are paying for things that they shouldn't be taking, but also, you know, waste in resources, waste in the doctor's time and the staff's time, you know, all this extra work they're going through looking up to see if patients should have refills when maybe that refill request should never have been sent in the first place if we were making sure that the patient needed that medication. Yeah, so it's not just the cost of the medications that we talk about, the total cost of what this article is really alluding to, but the cost of the waste of the resource, the cost of time of having to manage some of these things that really don't improve patient care. And then we've got the cost because they highlighted those errors that occurred, the cost to the patient, mm -hmm. cost to society, not just the cost 
um, you know, of, of financial costs, but it's suffering and the ultimate one, death. And so if we don't think there's a problem here, then we, we've put our head in the ground and, and we're, not, we're not really understanding, you know, the severity of the problem and that it's rampant uh, today. And I really do believe that. I can still remember, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, when I was at um, one of uh, the organ major organizations um, at their House of Delegates and having pharmacists after pharmacists come up to the microphone who worked in this kind of a setting, getting emotional, breaking down talking about just the horror stories of what the, you know, the, the pressure they're under. And it wasn't about patient care. There was never anybody who said it was about patient care. They said it's all about the metrics. You know, we hired a, a young man who came from that environment and he would tell me how he felt so much pressure and so mm -hmm. much angst because when he was filling a prescription, he literally had like a little stoplight on the computer screen. And as if it turned yellow, he would almost break out into a cold sweat and feel nauseous because he knew if it turned red, he was going to get dinged on it. He was going to get you know, reprimanded for taking too long for filling a prescription, even if there was a problem with the prescription. That tells me we've got a problem in this country, and we've got a problem with that if it's about how fast we fill a prescription but not really talk about is this even the right drug for the patient? Is this the right dose for the patient? Because if we're spending this much money on drug therapy, but we're spending more to, to resolve the problems associated with drug therapy, you know, we're not utilizing pharmacists the right way. And the payment model needs to change to really support that. So any comments about that, Sherry? Well, yeah. I mean, when you're talking about this person that you hired, I mean, it, I mean, I think that's a really good point is these pharmacists, I mean, they don't want to practice in this environment. They, a lot of them had mentioned that they had gone to their boards of pharmacy because they felt it's not safe and it's not right for the patient. So, I mean, this isn't the fault of the pharmacist who's working there. It's the environment that they're being placed in. And a lot of that environment is being driven by how pharmacists are paid and reimbursed and how these organizations are paid and being reimbursed. So, you know, all those things that we talked about as far as like making sure this is the right medication for the patient and it's safe and effective and we're looking at clinical metrics and gaps in therapy and, you know, all of the things that we do, we're not paid to do those things. And we're certainly not paid to, oh my gosh, not dispense a medication because it's not right for the patient. But yet that's what we need to do and that's the right thing to do. So the payment structure and the model of how pharmacists are reimbursed has to evolve to include paying the pharmacist for providing care and not for providing a product. Yeah, and it was interesting that you talk about the, you know, where they talked about the boards of pharmacy and, and it was in particular, one of the things that impacted me was a pharmacist sending a note to the board of pharmacy saying, help, help me. Yes. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I can't even imagine, you know, being in that kind of environment. And as I look at what I've tried to create, because the way the payment model is structured right now, it has forced the business model, if it's just dispensing, to be about a skeleton crew, where you may just have just enough staff or not even a sufficient number of staff to really handle the volume of prescriptions that you're filling. And I think the story alluded to a, a person filling over 500 prescriptions. And he literally quit after the shift and said, I'm not going to do this. Now he's an independent pharmacy owner because you can't provide care in that kind of environment. You might think you can, or the, or the companies might say that, yes, we can, but you can't because you're so much under the pressure of just filling the prescription. We know, Sherry, in the practices that we have developed, 
that to really do a good job with this, you've got to spend the time with the patient. You've got to be asking them questions. You've got to be you know, involved in the motivational interviewing and then taking the information to critically evaluate to identify a problem and then use your problem-solving abilities to resolve that problem. And then work collaboratively with the other providers within the community that you're working with to saying, hey, we have a potential issue here. Here's my recommendation. Those pharmacists don't even get that opportunity to do that. And that, to me, it was, is the big problem with this is it is the environment that they're put into. And I think it's time that we start saying we are a profession. A profession is, is an or, you know, a profession. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? They they um, evaluate themselves, right? They they take care of themselves. Right. Self-regulate. Self-regulate. We regulate ourselves. We've got mm -hmm. to regulate. We've got to take back our profession. And this, I, I mean, I'm passionate about this and, and we've got to stop this kind of thing, this, this ins insanity that's occurring out there and start saying, you know, what this is about is about patient care. And what we're talking about right now in this article is so well um, written saying this is not what's happening in many of the places that our pharmacists have to go to. Yeah. And I think for me, part of it was timing too, because you know, we are trying to transform pharmacy practice across the United States, not just in a couple of independent pharmacies in Iowa or in North Carolina or in some random states, but in every pharmacy practice across the United States. And and I really believe that this is what patients need. It's what pharmacists want. It's what we're trained to do. You know, we just need to stand up and you know, it's going to take some blood, sweat, tears. It's not going to be easy to get there. And, you know, we're going to have to rock the system because it's going to change a lot of things, including payment structures and providers and relationships with um, payers. So it's it's not an easy thing to do, but it's almost a revolution within the profession. And I think maybe people are ready for this now and pharmacists are so frustrated mm -hmm. with their work environment right now that maybe now is the time that everyone is ready to make this transition and transformation happen. Well, it's interesting. I, I'm not sure if you used the word evolution or revolution. Which one did you use? I said revolution, but I, I mean... That's what I want. That's what I want. Because yeah. I tell you, Sherry, that's I've always used that because we've always talked about the evolution of pharmacy, but I'm, we're talking revolution at this point because the difference between evolution and revolution is just the time right? The time lapse. A revolution, things are happening fast. And we realize we're at that point in our profession that we've got to change the, the, the practice model. We have got to change the business model. And that's what's exciting about when you talked about Flip the Pharmacy, and some people may not know what Flip the Pharmacy is, but can you give some background information about not only what it is, but the importance of Flip the Pharmacy and the impact it might be having on patient care? Yeah, and, and I'll just, before I do that, I'm going to say also I chose the word revolution because I think to me it, it connotates that there has to be a little bit of rebellion and then changing the status quo, not just something that happens naturally over time. So that's my other part of revolution. So, um, But for Flip the Pharmacy, for those who are not familiar with it, um, CPESN is um, giving out to grants to pharmacies and providing them with coaches and resources um, and, and tools, everything that they need to actually transform their pharmacy practice from being a reactive, um, just-in-time model to a proactive, 
patient-based care model. So actually transforming that practice to do exactly all the things that we've been saying that pharmacists need to be doing um, to deliver patient care and medications to patients. Uh, We have um, four locations within our organization that are participating in this. And I'm not going to say it's easy because it's not. Um, And I'm sure if I had some of my pharmacists on here, they would tell you all of the struggles that they've been facing with it. And, you know, I think documentation is probably at the top of the list for them of what's been most difficult for them. Um, You know, part of it is that our our systems are built to dispense and not to document, which is another part about being a healthcare provider and a healthcare professional. Healthcare professionals document what they do. And so we have to become a healthcare professional that documents the care that we provide in a way that we can share with patients and payers and other healthcare providers. And so this model of Flip the Pharmacy that's happening, you know, again, not just in Iowa, but in pharmacies all across the United States, is really meant to not just change a few pharmacies, but to change all of pharmacy practice so that we can all transform and practice pharmacy in the way that um, I think it's meant to be practiced. And I don't know, Randy, I know you're very involved in Flip the Pharmacy, so maybe you want to expand upon what I just said. Yeah, our goal with Flip the Pharmacy, and, and I'm the Director of Practice Transformation nationally, for CPSN USA to oversee this, but it really is to impact not just those pharmacies that are part of the um, initial um, training and transformation, but these materials are actually all available um, on the Flip the Pharmacy website for any pharmacy and any pharmacist get access to. So we have change packages to help pharmacies transform their practices. So what's exciting for me is that we hope to impact not just those pharmacies, and we got over 500 pharmacies involved in the Flip the Pharmacy um, transformation process right now. We'll be adding another cohort next year, and we hope this will be a five-year program. But we hope to impact not just those pharmacies going through it, pharmacies across the country who are interested in being a part of it and impacting, we hope, 5,000 pharmacies uh, within the next five years. And I'm excited about that because this is changing. It is transforming, you know, what we're talking about. And, And again, part of that transformation is not just the practice itself. But it's also the business model, the practice model, the payment model, um, so that we really change how pharmacy is is being looked at and evaluated and uh, performing out there. So very exciting stuff. And go ahead. This is Suzanne. And I just wanted to say, I think an important point in a call to action for anybody out there who's listening is regardless of what your practice site is, if you're in chain, if you're in grocery, if you're an independent, you know, you, you can make change happen in some small way. And the change package that's available for Flip the Pharmacy is is open. You can go and grab it and start to look through it and see ways that you can make change. You, know, you can join Thrive Subscribe and uh, you know reach out to 300 of the pharmacy teams who participate in our in our network to ask questions and what can you do sm- to make some of these small incremental changes. Um, so I think for anybody out there who's listening who is like, well, I'm not an independent or I'm not in CPSN. I mean, these are resources that are available available to anybody, technicians, pharmacists, and community practice, and grab them and, and you know let's keep this re- revolution going. Yeah, and I think it's important to, to to recognize that we've got our national organizations that are very involved with NCPA, being very involved in Flip the Pharmacy, and helping to create new business models. And you got an APHA um, who's very much interested in in what's happening to pharmacists' well-being, who's developed a well-being index and resources and educational programs to help pharmacists cope with the things that exactly this article was talking about. 
But I think most importantly, what we have to do is that we are colleagues and we have to support each other and reaching out to those colleagues who are going through some of this and getting them to the resources that they need, but also looking at the future of how we can help them make things better. And, you know, we're in this thing together. And again, as Sherry said, we're, a self, we're supposed to be self-regulated being a profession, but a profession means we're also one. We're all one as a whole. And how can we help each other um, in, this, in this new transformation process and this battle that we're tra taking back our profession? So, Sherry, I don't know if you have any other closing uh, comments you'd like to make on this, but um, feel free to do so right now. Yeah, I mean, I think the only thing I would say is, you know, kind of as Suzanne mentioned, you know, what can you do? And maybe some of it is, I mean, depending on your practice site, maybe those superiors that you report to, you know, aren't even aware of CPSN or Flip the Pharmacy or what it is and what it means. And so I would encourage you to, as Suzanne said, go and you know, look at some of those resources and download them and share them um, with the people in your organization. And maybe it's with a coworker, or maybe it's with a superior, or maybe even just a technician. But, you know, I think, you know, you have to extend that hope um, and that light um, at the end of the tunnel. And, and you just never know um, who you share that with that may actually be listening or be in a position to listen and make change happen. Sherry, thank you so much uh, for your time today, and, and thank you for your passion for the profession, and thank you for responding uh, to the article in such a positive way that you did. You really exemplify where pharmacy needs to go and also the ideal situation for pharmacists to be in. So thank you very much for your vision and for your efforts in helping to create that here in Iowa. Um, thank you for having me and posting the article. and. You know, you guys are doing a lot of work to transform the practice of pharmacy. And, you know, I, I think Randy probably doesn't sleep. I don't know Suzanne very well, but I'm guessing if you work with Randy, you don't either. So I know it's a passion for you as well, and I appreciate everything you're doing. So thank you. The Thrive Subscribe podcast is brought to you by Thrive Pharmacy Transformations. Visit us online at tptransformations.com, where you can join our free community to inspire you, challenge you, and transform your pharmacy practice.